Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, CF, again. So how many of you have ever had an uninvited guest to your house before? Uninvited. They, they, they just come, ring the doorbell, be like, yo, I'm here. Or your door might have been open and they made their way in. They made their way in. Some of you are like, yeah, my mother-in-law all the time, my suegra, you know, my suegra. Some of you are my suegro, my father-in-law. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your grandparents. Maybe it's your sister, your brother, or maybe it's a complete stranger. But sometimes we have someone that comes completely unannounced. Now, have you ever had a little mouse that came unannounced? In a second, I'm going to show you a picture. I'll I'll let you know when to show the picture. But have you ever had a little mouse show up unattended, uninvited to your house? So some of you might say yes. Some of you, I'm not going to say yes. You're going to think I got a dirty house or whatever. It's like, let me tell you, mice have a way to find their way everywhere, everywhere. Wherever there's a little hole, like they're able to squeeze through it. They'll get into anywhere. But imagine you found an uninvited mouse that came to your house, uh, I highly doubt that you would decide to keep it as a pet. Like, you know, it's like, hey, let me just keep this mouse as my little pet. You, you probably want to kill it, right? So you would put a trap, put a little cheese on it, and then you'll try to get it set up. But imagine the next time you see the mouse and the mouse is making his way to the trap of the cheese, you see this, the picture behind me. Right there, yo. My boy is ready. That mouse, all of a sudden you look at that mouse, that mouse has a helmet on, and that mouse is ready to get the cheese, un queso con cafecito on the side. That mouse thinks that everything is going to be okay. He's calculating the cost of getting the satisfaction of the cheese and thinks that, hey, I'm going to count the cost, The cost won't be that bad, but how many of you know that little helmet is not going to do much for that mouse when that trap goes down? uh, it's, 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 It's it for that mouse. We might joke around and look at this mouse and this picture, and we might think it's really silly, but the reality is we're a lot like this mouse. We go through life when temptation is around us, looking at it, Counting the cost might feel as though that we, it won't affect us that much. And you might dive into the temptation, whatever it is, not realizing that the cost is so much greater than what you could have imagined. And even the cost that you think you're paying, there's so, something even deeper and greater behind it. So today we're continuing our series. And with this, I want to let you know, is a slide behind me. It says this, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost 
of obedience to God. At the cost of obedience to God. So I'm going to say that again. Now it's behind me. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. I think this is really important because whenever we face temptation, we all face temptation. Jesus faced temptation. All of us face it. But whenever we face temptation, we see it at the cost not of so many other things, except that from that here, how it says, at the cost of obedience to God. I want to share with you a story from 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is a story where King Saul, the first king of Israel, all of a sudden gets told by the prophet Samuel this statement. He says this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. It says, uh, there it says, um, uh, well, what it highlights is God commanded Saul to destroy the Amalekites and keep nothing to himself. So here Samuel says, Saul, God says that you need to destroy the king. You need to destroy everything there, people, animals, everything. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing should stay alive. It's a clear command from God. But then something changes. Instead of Saul doing what the prophet Samuel told him that God said um, to him, it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 9. It says, Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best, Agag is the king of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good, and they would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So here, when you think about this, the prophet Samuel gave clear direction. This is what you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden here, King Saul changed and decided to do what he wanted to. He kept the king alive and he kept the best of the animals alive. And how the verse said, he destroyed everything that was despised and worthless. So he kept all the good things for him and all the things that were worthless, he followed God's command and destroyed. So here you see a really big um, situation because all of a sudden, you see the prophet Samuel, when he confronts Saul because of what he did, Saul, all of a sudden, he pretty much just says, he shifts the blame to the people. He shifts the blame to the people and ends up saying, no, 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 it's not like that. I actually kept all of the good things. I kept it so we could offer it to God and bless God. All the good animals, it wasn't because I wanted to be disobedient. I actually wanted to do it for something good, to give um, God an offering to God. Then this is how the prophet Samuel responds in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It's going to be behind you. It says this. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. 
So right here, you'll see a slide behind me. It says, obedience is more important than our singing, service, and sacrifices. So here you'll see very clearly that King Saul was trying in his own way to obey. He got confronted and the um, prophet Samuel told him, you know, like obedience is more important than sacrifice. So the reason why I'm saying this is because as a principle for all of us, we don't want to have a superficial, artificial Christianity a superficial, um, artificial, watered-down walk with God. And I'm going to tell you, so many times when we talk about temptation, we think about, well, I don't, I don't rob. I didn't go to Bank of America on North Avenue and rob anybody. I didn't rob the bank. I didn't kill nobody. You know, you all, we always think of the big things. But here is something where God is clearly saying, it's like obedience is um, greater than sacrifice. And so many times we water down what it means to follow God because we choose to do it with what is convenient to us, what fits in our schedule, in our own manner of how we want to do it, even though God has obeyed us to do so much more. So here, how I said in that slide, obedience is more important than our singing. And when I say singing, I'm not necessarily referring to a worship team. I'm singing, I'm talking about our worship to God. Because we love, man, we probably turn uh, Star 99, um, what's the other one? I listen to uh, Spotify so much, I I don't listen to the radio too much. I think it's 95. Thank you, Jose. You see, you helped me right there. So, so, so we know that there's these, all these stations that we love so many different songs, but obedience is more important than our singing. You could sing 24-7, but if you don't obey God, you're missing the mark. It's more important than our service. It's more important than our sacrifices. Some of us are willing to serve God only when it's convenient, only when it fits our schedule, only when it doesn't require any sacrifice on our, uh, our side. Like, we don't want to obey God. We just want to do things whenever it's, it's best for us. Sometimes we, 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 think, we think to ourselves, well, I don't have to obey God, everything he's asking me to do, because I do so much for him. You might think because of, you might be involved in ministry, you might be involved in the church, you might be involved just spreading his name everywhere but you're not obeying him. God calls us to obey him. And how we're talking about temptation, so many times, we're t- how I said, we're, we're, the enemy tempts us to allow ourselves to give God not even just a fraction of our heart and life and not our full life. You know, it's not about serving God with 20% of our life or 30% or 40% or 80%, or 95%. Here Saul did some of what God said, but yet he got disqualified, and God removed them as king of Israel. So he did some of what God wanted him to do, but he didn't obey God exactly with what God wanted him to do. And one of the things we need to realize is that God is our king. 
He's our king. It's not, it's not like, so, um, uh, like I remember for a long time period, there were t-shirts, you know, uh, Jesus is my homeboy, you know, Jesus is this, like trying to make it seem like Jesus is just mad chill. I could do whatever I want and I could call on him when I want, but that's okay. But it's not like that. God is your king. Of course, he's your friend as well, but that doesn't change the fact that he's your king. And when the king speaks, you answer. And when the king speaks, you obey. When the king speaks, you don't hesitate because delayed obedience is disobedience. So when the king speaks, you move. Even when you don't understand everything, even when you don't see everything, and when you don't do that, you're sinning. When fear speaks, speaks lighter, uh, louder in your life than God's voice, you're living in disobedience because you're choosing to listen to the voice of fear over obeying the voice of God. So each of us, we need to realize that we need to obey God over everything. You know, we all get tempted. I'm going to give you four truths about temptation. The first one is this. Um, it's, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says this. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So right there you see that Jesus was tempted in every single way. This, and, and it says that he could relate to us, so, but he didn't sin. So each of us, obviously none of us are perfect, and we all sin, but I've said this before, there's a big difference between someone that's surrendered to God, trying to do their best to allow God to transform them and to walk the walk, and they sin, but they turn immediately to God, ask God for forgiveness, and turn around and keep following Jesus with all their heart, compared to someone who sins and doesn't care, Sin doesn't come to God. Sin doesn't acknowledge it before God. Sin making thing, um, thinking that there's not a cost involved with it is a big, big difference. The second truth is this. You're never above temptation. You are never above temptation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says this. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Some of us think that we might have like temptation completely underneath our feet and we're standing firm, but just how that verse said, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You could easily be prideful. You could easily feel as though that nothing could impact you. And, and, and it's one of those things that each of us, we need to realize that we're all capable of all types of sins if we don't protect our hearts and keep our hearts surrendered to God and do what we have to do to protect our lives. I know years back, we did a series called Guardrails. I remember that series clear as day. And what we talked about is that in each one of our lives, we need to have guardrails. Now, guardrails is what's on the road and the guardrails are there to protect you from falling off the mountain, falling off the cliff, or whatever might be there. The guardrails are there. Spiritually speaking, in our lives, we all, if you don't have guardrails, it's like 
I'll read that. Be careful that you don't fall because that guardrail will be there to protect you from falling over. It's like an added barrier. And I gave a couple examples back then. I'm going to give you a couple examples now too. Like in my house, if I'm home alone and some, a woman comes to knock on my door and she wants to talk to me to come inside, she's not coming inside. She's not. Not that I think that anything would happen. My heart and life is completely surrendered to God. It's not a sin for her to step into my living room, but it's a guardrail that I've established in my life. It's a guardrail. It's like, no, you're not coming in. And it's also, I don't want to have the appearance of sin. I don't want my neighbors to be like, oye, ¿quién es esa? No hay Jennifer entrando. You know what I mean? I screamed too much yesterday during the men's retreat. So, um, and so, so, so pretty much it's like those guardrails are there to protect us, to protect us. So I remember as clear as day, there was one time a woman from the community came, rang my doorbell and started talking to me. And she, she's like, could we go inside your house? I said, sorry, my wife isn't home. And she's like, because it's so cold. It was like middle of winter. There was ice cubes falling off her cheek. Like, you know what I mean? It was freezing. But I was like, you can't come inside. I'll sit outside on the steps with you. We could talk, but you're not coming inside. So that's guardrail. Another guardrail I have, there's movies I don't watch. I don't watch movies with sexual contact, content. I don't watch movies that, movies that are scary, all these scary demonic movies. Some, I, when, when, now I'm going to be very transparent. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I really, really feel. Like, as believers, as believers, it's extremely danger, dangerous to watch these horror, scary, demonic movies. Like, I just want to let you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real. Like, there's some movies that I have to say are dumb and corny and like, like, like you know what I mean? Like, whatever. But then there's some of them that are straight up demonic. Like, they're demonic. So... Why as a believer do I want to sit down when I want to follow Jesus, sit there, open my heart, my mind, and my eyes to see a movie of people getting possessed, demonic activity, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And I don't know whoever designed the movie, their intention behind it, and their life of what they're trying to project through the movie could influence me. And spiritually, I believe that things happen. So from that standpoint, I have those guardrails. And how I said, a lot of those things, I'm not here to tell you this movie is a sin or this movie is a sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if you want to protect your walk with God, sometimes you have to set these um, guardrails up to protect yourself um, from it. So, so to, to continue, the third truth is this. God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. It says this in James chapter one, ver, um, James, cha- uh, no, James chapter one, verses 13 to 15, it says this. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is, uh, God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires when which entice us and drag us away 
these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And even how it says there, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. I almost, I love how it says it drag us away. Like it grabs us and drags us away, like little by little away from it. So from that standpoint, we see God never tempts us. You know, we do know God tests us in different things, but he is not the one that brings temptation. He's not the author of temptation. Our own desires lure us away. And of course, the enemy tempts us, but we need to realize what temptation is because we, we all should know that when we fall into sin, it brings destruction. The fourth truth about temptation is this. There is always a way out. There's always a way out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So here in this verse, you, I want you to realize two things. One, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he'll provide a way out. Okay? That's important to know. That you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he'll provide a way out. But here, there's a slide that I want you to see behind me. It says this, delaying the escape increases the chances of falling and intensifies the the temptation. Delaying the escape increases the chances of falling and intensifies the temptation. The reason why I say that is because God makes it clear he won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. He'll provide a way out. But you have to take the way out when he provides it. If you don't take his way out when he provides it and you stay where you are, the temptation is going to increase to a level beyond what you could bear. And then the the door to escape is going to become more narrow and narrow. Not because God wasn't faithful. God was faithful. He provided a way out. He caught your attention at that moment. Look, you got to leave at this moment. Well, you decided to stay. And the longer you stay, the greater the temptation becomes. I want you to even think of it this way. Imagine you've struggled with alcohol all your life. And then all of a sudden, you you decided to stop and you took a strong stand. I'm like, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not drinking Diet Coke. I'm just drinking water for the rest of my life. So... You take a strong stance not to drink alcohol at all. A friend of yours invites you to the bar. And then guardrail, now thinking about guardrail, if I know I was struggling with alcohol, and I was an alcoholic, you could say, one of my guardrails in my life is I'm not stepping foot in any bar. Like, I'm just talking, I'm not saying it's a sin to step into the bar. I'm just saying personally, If I know that was my past, one of my guardrails was, I'm not going to step into a bar because I don't even want to put myself in a scenario that I used to be in. So all of a sudden, the friend invites him to go to the bar. The person goes. He sits there. He asks for seltzer water with a lime. That's it. That's all I'm going to have. But then while he's there, 
he's starting to get tempted. He sees the liquor in the background. He sees the bartender making the drinks. And all of a sudden, he started to get tempted. And then he hears the whisper of the Lord. Before he gets tempted beyond what he could bear, he hears the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit in the men's retreat. All of a sudden, whisper to him, get up and go. Get up and leave. All of a sudden, the exit sign is clear near the, the door. And it's like brighter than ever before for him to step out. All of a sudden, he has a choice of obedience to God and to fully go or be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I could stay longer. So now the moment he decides not to obey God, when God has given him a way out at the point beyond what he could bear, he stays longer even though he knows that his own desires was slowly dragging him down a path. Then little by little, he has one drink, then two drinks. Then it gets beyond what he could control, and he ends up falling. So for each of us, we need to realize that God provides a way out, but we have to make sure to take it. So sin, what is sin? Sin is not doing what God wants. It's going to be a slide behind you. I'm going to tell you a couple key things about sin. Sin's ultimate consequence is death, spiritually and physically. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, um, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we need to realize when we choose to sin, death is the consequence. Just like our, the little mouse in the beginning, death, uh, death was the consequence for him if he chooses to proceed. In the same way for us, that is the consequence. And we know that death, sin already separated us from God. And unless we surrender our lives to God and ask God for forgiveness, that's the only way that our sin the, the debt that has to get paid could be paid is through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The second point with sin is this. Sin brings destruction into our lives. Sin brings and destruction into our lives. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In Galatians 6, 8, it says this, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. So if you sow into your sinful nature, from that nature, you'll reap destruction. You have a choice on what you're going to sow. You have a choice to either sow into your sinful nature or you, you could sow into what God is doing, but that's your choice. The third point is this, sin hinders and prevents us from walking in step with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. So right there, you see clearly that 
You cannot walk in step with the Holy Spirit chasing after things of the flesh. Because there's a battle happening between your spirit and your flesh. And God wants us to surrender everything to him. What's amazing is that we could fool everybody, but you can't fool God. And for all of us, we need to realize that God's calling us to a higher walk with him, a higher walk um, when it comes to our relationship with him. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. Talk, um, the Bible describes those whose minds are filled with sin and the people that indulge in sin. It says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So here, I just want you to even realize how it says their minds are full of darkness. They wander, uh, wander far from the life God gives them, and they've hardened their hearts. So right now, this moment, if your life is filled with sin and you haven't come to God with it, and I have to say, like I know I said filled with sin, so some of us be like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. If there's any sin in your life that you're entertaining willingly, that you haven't brought it to God, that you've come up with excuses for it, you've rationalized for it, you think, oh, it's not that big of a consequence. God understands. No, no, no. Every sin is important for us to bring before God. You know, in our minds, we're like, oh, that's sin. It's not that important, whatever it is. No, 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 not at all. Like in our lives, everything has to go before God. And here it shows that our mind could be filled with darkness. And that in addition to that, our heart, hearts could become hard. Some of us here, or some of us watching through the live stream, we might have developed darkness in our minds and in our hearts, hardness. And so many times, like, if we see certain things happening when other people do things, I don't know if you ever have thoughts, like, I wonder how that could take place. Like, especially if you watch the news, like, I wonder why that happened or how could this happen? It didn't happen overnight. Darkness filled the person's mind. Spiritually, there's darkness surrounding the person. And in addition to that, hardness occurred in their heart. Sometimes it's happened to us when we've said something or done something, when all of a sudden you even shock yourself. It's like, I can't believe, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. And it seems to you like it came out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. There's been darkness brewing in your mind and soul. There's been hardness uh, happening in your heart where it's disconnected you, brought you farther from God. You could know about God, but at the same time, be super far away from him. You know, you could worship God. You could open your mouth and say nice things about God, but spiritually, you're in a dark place. Sometimes the enemy even leaves us because we're doing a better job destroying our own lives than the enemy would if we let him. Because of our own thoughts, because of our own actions, because of our own decisions. 
Some of us, we know better. We've known God. We've walked with God. We grew up with God. We've heard about God. We've been impacted by God. We've experienced God, but yet we choose to go after the artificial flavoring of the cotton candy of the world that has no substance, but just dissolves in your mouth and leaves you with nothing. But yet, all of a sudden, you rather run after the fakeness of the world than the realness of God when God has what's really substance, what you really need. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know how any of us would ever want to live our lives with chains around us. Now, I know you're saying, it's like, Carlos, I'm not wearing any chains. What are you talking about? You know, I'm talking about spiritually, spiritually wearing chains over your shoulders, over your life. Some of us, we got handcuffs, and I'm not telling you that you're going to go to the the Elizabeth Precinct Precinct here or the county jail. Spiritually, you got handcuffs. Some of us, we're in prisons, prisons with pretty much bars of the sin that we've committed, and you know something is wrong. You know something is wrong. And you you, you might come up with so many different, oh, it's just I'm not sleeping well. You know, it's just a lot of stress. You know, there's a lot of pressure at work, a lot of emptiness, a lot of sadness, a lot of depression. You could come up with a thousand different reasons. I tell you what's wrong. The, the reason why is you're not close to God. You're not close to God. And I'm not saying when you get close to God, everything is dandelions and you're, walk, or you're running like, like in the fields with all the flowers and there's no issues or problems. Not at all. Like when you get close to God, you know, it doesn't mean that the problems stop and the attacks stop. But I tell you something, the world could be falling apart, but you can have peace. All of a sudden, it might seem like everything is getting destroyed around you and there might be chaos. But you know that you have an anchor in your heart that you will not be shaken. Like, you know, in the midst of everything, no matter the tragedy that could occur, you know, it should push you closer to God than farther away. Sometimes people look at me and like, Carlos, like, I'm not ready to come close to God. I want to get things ready first, get things in order in my life before I come to God. Last I checked, God is the only one that could put your heart in order. Last I checked, the only one that could forgive you, break the chains, deliver you, set you free, lift your burdens, take you out of your addiction, pretty much heal the broken heart that you have is God. So how is it? How are you going to do it by yourself before coming to God? Some of us, we've lived a long time and we haven't been able to do it by ourselves. What makes you think that you could do it now? So we got to come to God with everything. And what's amazing is that God is not expecting perfection. Like you don't have to be perfect because none of us are perfect. It's like, you just have to know where to go. Like if something is broken, like, like, I, it's, like in my mind right now, I thought of broken toys. I would go to Toys R Us, but there's no Toys R Us. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm a Toys R Us kid. So, so it's like, you know, if toys are broken, you would go to Toys R Us. If something's broken, you might go somewhere else. If your bike is broken, you go to a bike shop. You know, in our life, like your heart, who created you? Your mind, you know what I mean? Your, your, who you are, your body, you know what I mean? Like if there's any brokenness that you're experiencing, you go to the creator, you go to the source 
and you bring the broken pieces. And what's cool and amazing with God is that no matter how far away you've been from him, his love for you hasn't changed. If you think his love for you has changed, you've believed a lie from the enemy or maybe from your own mind. None of us deserve his love. I don't care if you've like walked his, um, your entire life in holiness following him, you still don't deserve his love. None of us do. We've all fallen short. So we need to realize we need to go and be with him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So here, it just shows you how important it is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, during the men's retreat, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about who he is how he's a person and you could have a relationship with him and how he brings transformation into your life and the fruit of the spirit is seen for people to see the Holy Spirit in your life. In addition to that, he equips you. I know Derek touched on the fact that he equips you with different gifts and talents. So not only does he transforms you, he equips you. And we need the the Holy Spirit to be able to walk this walk. You don't want to walk this walk following Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And think about this. This is something I said yesterday. Jesus said, you know, before he left, while being with his disciples, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, it's better for you that, that I will leave so that he could come. So some of, I don't know if you've ever thought this. I've thought this um, before. It's kind of like, you know, I wish, I wish I would be there in Jesus' time, to be able to physically see him, be able to spend time with them, you know what I mean? Like, and experience being there in biblical times. Uh, I know there's people here that thought that before. It's like, how amazing would it be to physically see Jesus and hear his voice and experience being there during biblical times? But think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's better for you that I leave and that the Spirit comes because it'll be better for you in that scenario. And of course, the Holy Spirit is able to be everywhere at the same exact time, while Jesus in physical form was only able to be in one place at one time. So so when you think about it, the Holy Spirit is one that we need to develop that relationship with and walk with every single day of our life. You know, like I, I mentioned yesterday too, from the same point, When it comes to relationship, imagine I just talk to Jen once a week, just once a week. How would that relationship be? It would be horrible. Imagine if, like, I I tell Jen, like, Jen, the only space you have is the basement, right? I put it in the basement, close the door. That's it. You know, Jen will send me, she's going to send me to the basement today. He's like, yeah, why you told you said that you sent me to the basement, you go to the basement. So imagine I'm like, Jen, the basement is the only space you have, these four walls, that's it. And, you know, we, obviously our relationship wouldn't be good if she's in the basement and, and I'm upstairs. And when you think about it, spiritually speaking, we do the same exact thing to the Holy Spirit. We do the same thing to God. We're like, God, I put you in this space in my life between these four walls, and I want to, like, control 
the activity, I guess, that you have in my life. But that's the space that you get, and that's it. And when I say put them in the basement, in our lives, we're like, God, your time is Sunday morning. Your time is those two hours. That is the time that I get to spend time with you. I'll come down to the basement and be with you here. But when it comes to the rest of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when it comes to the areas of my life, when it comes to work, family, career, dreams, goals, when it comes to my struggles, my obstacles, the sin or whatever that I might be encountering, I don't want you to be involved. And I know that we might not verbally say that. You might say, Carlos, I've never told God I don't want him to be involved. But your actions say that sometimes. I'm not saying this, of course, for everyone, but for a lot of Christians, our actions speak louder than words that we want to keep the Holy Spirit confined. We want to keep them between four walls. We don't want to give the Holy Spirit access to every space in our life. We want it, and I just want to let you know, you can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't keep the Holy Spirit between four walls. We try, but you can't. But what we have to do is open the door, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit access to the whole house, the whole house. That means the Holy Spirit is able to go to every room, every bedroom, every office, the attic, the basement, could go inside your closet. And we know how many things we hide in our closets, right? La medias, que huelen malo, what is it? No, dirty socks, whatever you throw in the closet. You throw all our skeletons, all the things we don't want people to see. Someone's coming over, what do you do? You don't really clean. You just throw things in the closet. You know, you try to hide it. But you give the Holy Spirit access to everything, every closet, every door, and everything. When the Holy Spirit has access to everything, you know what? He has access to your phone. He sees every picture, every video, every website you've been on. He has access to your iPad. He has access to your computer. As much as you try to erase the history that you've been on, you can't erase it from the Holy Spirit. He knows every site you've been on. He knows everything you've been doing. He knows the communication you've had. All of a sudden, he knows the interaction you've been having. I know you're married, but you've been flirting with someone else. And flirting to me is a sin because flirting, you're giving attention and affection to someone else that only your spouse deserves. So don't think, you, oh, well, I'm a guy, it's normal for me to flirt, or I'm a girl, it's okay for me to flirt. No, no, no. Flirting is something that's directed towards your spouse, and then obviously, If you're not married, you know, keep God at the center. (laughs) But I'm talking about those spouses that are playing with fire and dabbling with things that they're not supposed to at all. There's going to be a slide behind you, and it says this. There is no such thing as an insignificant sin. There's no such thing as an insignificant sin. God is calling us to follow him. Now, something we need to realize, when God calls you to follow him, he calls you to follow him, but he's not going to beg you. He's not going to beg you. He'll call you. 
And when he calls you to follow him, he doesn't want 10% of your heart or 25% of your heart or 50% of your heart or 80% of your heart or 95% of your heart or 99% of your heart. He wants it all. Think of Saul. Think of Saul. Saul did some of what God said. He did. He did some of what God said. He killed some of the people. He, you know, he, he, he killed some of the animals. But he customized what was best for him, what obedience meant. He customized it. Let me tell you, Christianity is not a customizable walk with Jesus. It's not have it your way. It's not doing it your fashion. It's not out of your own convenience. It's not out of your own agenda. It's not out of what, what, the way you want to do it. No, no, no. Jesus is king. He calls you. He asks you to follow him, to give up everything, not to hold anything back, to surrender everything, to follow God. Is it scary? Of course. It is. He's asking you to follow him, to leave everything behind. Most people don't do it. But let me tell you, I'd rather follow Jesus blindly, not knowing what my next step is, but I'm following Jesus, than trying to walk through this life trying to figure it out on my own. I can't figure it out. I, I was going to say my real age, 45. I always say I'm 25. I take 20 years off. You know, like I'm 45 years old. And I like, you know, like from an earthly standpoint, like there's from the standpoint, I, I, I still like, I feel like every single day trying to figure life out. Like, you would think it's like as you get older, you know, like you figure things, especially in the last two years with all the craziness that we've experienced. Like, you know, like we've all gone through things for the very first time that we've never experienced. Why would I want to walk through this life without God? You know, give God, uh, we have to give God everything. Now, giving God everything means surrendering everything. And how the slide said there's no, there's no such thing as an insignificant sin. So little white lies, there's no such thing as little white lies. It's a lie. Cheating on your tax return or cheating on other paperwork is a sin. Taking a pen that doesn't belong to you is a sin. If you stole that pen, you know that pen that didn't belong to you. Like, yo, I like that pen, yo. Yeah, I have to say the temptation gets bigger when it's like the four colors or the five colors. The ones, I love, I love the, I'm going off tangent, but I love the meme. It's on social media. The meme where it's like kids nowadays, like, you know, they want like the new iPhone or whatever. Back then when I was a kid, I wanted that pen. I wanted that pen, green, red, yellow, like, you know, like, or blue, you know, that was a really cool pen. So if that pen, let's say your friend has that pen and you know, it means a lot to, Let's say I had that pen, and you know how much I've had that pen since I was like eight. It meant a lot to me. And you steal that pen from me? That's a sin. Like, you know, like if you steal something that doesn't belong to you, it's a sin. Uh, obviously, I said it before, viewing things that you're not supposed to, um, gossiping, issuing um, issues with people that you haven't dealt with. What about this? Lusting. Now, a lot of times we automatically think sexually, but lusting after food, after social media, after sports, after careers, after work, after money, 
after attention, anything sexually as well. When whatever gets in the way between you and God becomes an idol and it has to be addressed, not loving our neighbors is a sin. Um, Not praying is a sin. Think about it. Sin is not doing what God wants you to do. So many times we think of big things like murder, uh, robbing banks or whatever it is, the big things. Not praying is a sin. God wants you to pray. So when we don't pray is a sin. When we don't evangelize is a sin. When we don't share the good news is a sin. When we don't disciple others is a sin. When we choose not to gather together and be together with the church and the mission that God has called us to be on, it's a sin. When we just think church is about what's convenient to us, feeding ourselves and not looking out and loving our neighbor, it's a sin. Like, you know, not reading God's word and meditating and applying God's word to our life is a sin. Like, you know, it's not, it's not just the big things that we tend to mention. It's not doing what God's called you to do. God's called you to be part of ministry and you said no, that's a sin. God's giving you gifts to sing and to be a part like, of ministry to using it, using it, and you choose not to use it. You choose not to use it, unless God spoke to you and gave you peace about it. But you choose not to use your gifts and talents. It's a sin. You know, it's a sin. It, it, if a sin is um, pretty much anything that God wants us to, to do and we decide not to do it. That's a sin. Obviously, that's, that a lot of things fall under that. But that's why we got to stay close to God and ask God to um, transform us. Having a lukewarm relationship with God is a sin. It's a sin. Obviously, having a cold relationship with God is a sin too. But some of us, we, we're comfortable with lukewarmness. One foot in the world, one foot with God. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm not cold. I didn't turn my back on God. I, I look at God's back once in a while. Like, you know, I, I follow him once in a while. You know, it's either all in for God or nothing. We know through scripture that when it comes to lukewarmness, God doesn't tolerate that. It's all or nothing. And I know some of you are like, yo, Carlos, this is a little too radical. Radical? It's just the truth. It's what Jesus calls us to. It's the life God calls us to. You know, it's the truth of what it means to follow God. Now, obviously, when we walk with them, everybody's in a different place in our journey. And I don't expect your life to change overnight. But all change stems from the decisions of your heart. And you can make a decision today. You don't have to worry about like, like oh, well, I, I'll make a decision later on. And something else too, some of us, we decide that we want to put God on hold. And some of us spiritualize decisions that are obvious just for our convenience. I'll give you an example. We might say, you know what? I'm not ready for that now. I'm going to pray about it. Well, you've been praying about five, seven years already. You haven't done nothing. You've been praying for a very long time. It sounds great. It's spiritualized. You've said all the Christian right things. 
You might even throw in a hallelujah in the midst of it. But the bottom line is, are you being obedient to God? Okay, being obedient to God. So with us, I I, want to let you know this one too. Not willing to repent or confess our sins. If, If it's hard for you to say, I'm sorry and repent to your brother or sister, when you're wrong and you know you're wrong and you haven't followed through or you haven't done your commitment and you haven't, or you've hurt someone, the moment you decide that you, you can't say that you're sorry and ask for forgiveness, that shows that there's hardness in your heart. There's darkness in your mind that you feel like you don't even have to ask for forgiveness. Or if, you're, if you have sin in your life right now, and you see absolutely no need to come before God and ask God for forgiveness, your mind and soul is filled with darkness that's really diverting you and pretty much uh, twisting uh, whatever your thought process. Because we know that without God, God is the only one that could cleanse us. God is the only one that could heal us. God is the only one that could restore us. God's the only one that could forgive us. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, it says this about God. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. That's what it says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. We might say, well, Carlos, this is too much. God doesn't tolerate evil. His eyes are too pure to see sin. And because each of us, all of us, I sin every day, like we have to go to God and be like, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for the way I responded to my mother. Please forgive me for what I did. You know, I should have done that differently. If we don't come to God and ask God for forgiveness and have that closeness with God, there's a big cost we're taking. Because for you to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, Remember, the spirit and and your flesh, they want what's contrary. And the spirit wants to take you places. But if you don't don't have a pure heart and mind before God of him cleansing you, it's going to be hard for you to discern the voices between the enemy, God, and what the world says and what you're saying. But think about it, as you allow God to cleanse you and to clean your mind, and as you fill your mind and heart with God's word, God's word will become stronger in your life, and you'll be able to walk in step with the Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, even those seek, uh, it, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. And laid bare before the eyes of him to which we must give account. Everything is laid bare. Life is short for all of us. I don't care how long you live here on this earth. You can live to 120. That's still short. Life is short for each and every one of us. Eternity is forever. Our decisions that we make today impact eternity. And I'm not talking about just having Jesus in your heart because some of us, we just want a license to go to heaven and we treat God's grace like a license to sin 
and do whatever we want here on the earth. It's not just about coming to God and having your relationship with God. And you say, it's like, oh, you know, I just want to be good for heaven. I'm talking about being sold out for God, giving God everything. It doesn't mean that you have everything all together. It just means you know the direction you want to go is have Jesus lead the way and just you surrender everything to him. I, I know like in my life, when I stand before God and I see God face to face, I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say those words. I don't want him to say, you know, like, like Carlos, I gave you so much opportunity. You could have done so many things differently. But just like Saul, you followed me just with what was convenient for you. Or you just did some of the stuff you wanted me to do. I wanted you to do, not all of the stuff. Or you just did it your way instead of doing it my way. Like, it's not about just having Jesus in your heart. It's about Jesus having your heart. Some of us are content with just having Jesus in our heart. And it's a little part, a little room, a little downstairs basement in our heart. But I don't want to just have Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus to have my heart. And if Jesus has my heart, he's the one that directs my life. He's the one that my goals, my dreams, my future, my past, my present, my problems, my circumstances, my family, my issues, what I think about, what I dream about, you know, what I cry about. Every aspect of my life is in God's hands. And it's just shifting your mind the way that we think. It's it's not waking up in the morning and saying, it's like, what do I want to do? It's like, God, what do you want me to do? Because I want to live for you. And now this is the amazing thing. Wouldn't you want to live for the person that created you? knows you better than anyone else, the one that has plans and dreams for your life, and the one that's going to lead you to places that you would have never imagined unless you would have walked in step with the Spirit. If everyone could bow their heads at this point. Right now, this moment, every single one of us, we're in different places in our lives, but the bottom line is a decision has to be made. I don't know how your walk is with God. Some of you have been walking with God and you're walking in the spirit and with the spirit and you're completely surrendered already. And I praise God for you, you making that decision to follow him. But some of us have decided to follow God similarly to how Saul did, just doing it our way. But God's calling us for so much more. God is calling us for us to follow him deeply. And if you know that you have sin in your life right now, in any way, you're entertaining sin. And you just know that there's brokenness and you want to go to the place where you could find healing and the source of all comfort and everything that you need. You need to turn to God. So right now, if you're here and you know with every eye closed that you need to just surrender for any of the reasons I might have stated, I just want you to stand to your feet at this moment. Stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet under your breath, you could surrender whatever sin you might have, 
You could surrender whatever area you've been trying to control. You could surrender your whole heart. You might feel like you've been giving God half of your heart, not your whole heart. You could surrender everything. You could stand to your feet and just give him everything. I know some of you feel like you're not ready. Honestly, you're never going to be ready. You have to make the decision to go to God. For God to put everything in order. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for every person that's here, everyone watching us through social media as well. God, we hear your call to follow you. God, forgive us for running the opposite direction so many times. God, forgive us if we only give you a portion of our hearts, God. God, forgive us for allowing the voices of fear to speak louder than the voices of truth. God, forgive us for following you according to our terms and not yours. God, forgive us for following you only if it's convenient and it doesn't affect our schedule too much and we're able to put it within four walls. God, forgive us for choosing to just be comfortable where we are and not stepping into the unknown when you're calling us to the unknown. God, forgive us for not reading your word. God, forgive us for not praying. God, forgive us for not being involved in ministry. God, forgive us for not gathering together with our brothers and sisters. God, forgive us for not doing your will. God, forgive us for not walking in step with your Holy Spirit. God, forgive us for entertaining and allowing sin to be in our lives and not surrendering it to you. God, we just bow Before you, we raise our hands and surrender. Holy Spirit, we need you more than ever before, even at this moment. Holy Spirit, fill our lives. Reveal to us the things that has to be changed. Heal our hearts. Strengthen us. You know every single person. You know what they're going through. You know their struggle. You know if they, you, they've been thinking about suicide. You know the, the depression that they're wrestling with. The sadness of the lost ones that died in their lives. You know the different things that they're going through. God, I pray that even right now that you would touch them. Holy Spirit, touch every single person. Let them know that they're loved. That you're there with them. To f- walk with them in victory. Even now at this moment, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.